Greetings and welcome to Hail to the King, a podcast where we read and discuss the many works of Stephen King. I am one of your co-hosts, Brady. And I'm Kenneth. And today we have a special guest, Ben. Hi, I'm Ben. I'm a uh, long-time listener, first-time uh, guest on the show. Very excited. <laughs> hey, we can finally uh, say we had more than one guest. Yeah. And, and, also, uh, and Ben, who the hell are you? Yeah, what else is <laughs> special, Ben? <laughs> Oh my god, what 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 do I uh well obviously um friends of the all I'm dating tennis. Uh I am Oh so you had the in. I got the in there. Yeah. Just, there's there's some nepotism going on that's, here. That's how you get on this show. Like the Here's street. the thing. I feel like we've talked about you enough behind your back that like it was only time that we brought you in so we could this talk about the, you to your face. This is <laughs> the yeah. guy that I would have killed I was if just gonna turned say, into a vampire. <laughs> I, I am the, the Ben you would have yeah. Without any hesitation. But you would have waited the... for a while if he was in a coma, right? Okay. Oh, yeah, All right. That's enough. Yeah, we don't need to oh, talk about it. Yeah. At least some people there. are loyal. Yeah. <laughs> no. Anyways. Yeah, Ben. What uh, What do you do for fun? Oh, Which no. movies? You like theater a little bit? I don't know. I do. I, 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 I uh, by trade, I'm, I'm a professional actor, so I do, I do a good amount of that. And while I'm not doing that, I'm watching movies, playing video games, you know, reading Cujo when when necessary um as you do yeah as you do exactly what was the uh, first play you were ever in oh god uh well, it depends how you come. so i I've, i did like in all the elementary school a lot of like summer day camps where i would like you know i would like a tiger or whatever but i think the first like play i was in was sixth grade it was called big bad and it was one of those they called them at the time fractured fairy tales because it was like novel to like take a fairy tale and twist it on its head now it's like a mainstream thing but it was like about like the trial of the big bad wolf essentially. Oh. and i was i was judge wise old man as a sixth grader it was a big deal because i had a big part as a first year in middle school so <laughs> i'm just saying i was really hoping that you would stick with the tiger story so that we could say like your mantra is like unleash the tiger i love it. i know so i have such a uh, not vivid memory of that mostly just the photos um so I, I really couldn't go into any more detail if i tried uh i never was in theater well i was in, in one theater production at mennonite school and it was um obviously the manger scene and my cousin obviously. and i were cast as two of the wise men That's and because safe. we didn't have enough students there were only two wise men we're and right uh no uh joseph and mary were twin brother and sister luke and katie Amazing. Yeah, uh, but that feels right. Our teacher at the time told my cousin and I, "Hey, you guys should talk with authentic accents." What does that mean? And we were like, "What does that mean?" And they were like, "You know, like <laughs> Middle Eastern." Oh no! And Jesus I was like, Christ. "No, I don't think so." And she said, "Haven't you ever seen the Jonah Veggie Tales movie?" No. And the little caterpillar just sound like him. It was the most. Oh wait, I think I've seen that Veggie Tales. Is that the yep. one where he's like, "My mom was a worm and my yep. dad yep. was a caterpillar." I used to, I, I, I <laughs> the look on Ben's face not right a Veggie now. Tales child. I don't like any of this. Was like, allowed to watch when we had sleepovers at her house, um, and it was actually, actually Veggie Tales are quite entertaining and kind of funny when you're a kid. <laughs> all, all I know is that hairbrush song that everybody talks about. That's and that's my all. cheeseburger. Oh, uh huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yep. Yep. Page, you know, know there's a pirate song that's like really big, okay. right? Isn't there like a pirate song that's like? I mean, you're the song? expert, not me. There's so <laughs> much. Okay, I see that one episode or one episode, one movie. This is a Veggie Tales podcast now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Tell 
gag yourself. Can you imagine like Stephen King doing a VeggieTales episode? (laughs) The only VeggieTales thing I remember is something about like an ox or a bull getting stuck in oil or something. Whoa. You know what I'm talking about. There's something. No, No, I don't know. No, like tar. No, maybe. Veggie tails and cows and tar. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Veggies get eaten by cows. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Are you looking? I'm sure it's out no. there. I, yeah, I'm going to try to look it up. Honestly, veggie tails is such a fever dream. I believe anything is possible. I always hated Bob the tomato. I thought he was a motherfucker. <laughs> God, he looks so awful. He's Justin. <laughs> he always looks mean. And I hated Larry. Larry was like that immature kid that you like tags along with your group which was probably yeah 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 okay. and he was also like the superhero and i would always be like you know eight years old watching this with family and be like grow up man like <laughs> i know nobody runs and they pick like the most that. old man names for those characters like what child do you know whose name is bob or larry uh actually in oh, Virginia, no. <laughs> my cousin runs like a baseball league in brentsville Okay. And so like, like they're clapping for kids. They're like, good job, Caleb. Good job, TJ, Connor, whatever, you know, baseball names are out there. And <laughs> then this one kid gets up. He's like the shortest kid on the team. They're like, let's go, Bob. Good hit, Bob. And I was like, there's Oof. no way. And I said, is that, come name? Back. I said, is that kid's name Robert? And he said, no, it's just Bob. Oh, it's not even short for anything. No, it, it was just Bob. Uh, I would have gotten like if they said Bobby, especially in like Virginia. Yeah, Bobby, I get, but Bob. Yeah, Robbie would, yeah, yeah, Robbie, RJ, you know, baseball mm-hmm. players mm-hmm. like yes. initials. But yeah, it was. Yes, uh, my brother was almost an RJ. Oh. Yes. What is he now? Oh, he's um, uh, is it Ronnie? Is that what he is? That's what I call him. But okay. he would because <laughs> you can't Ronnie. have me. You can't have me grow up my entire it's been my whole life calling him by his nickname and not expect me to like i can't call him ron it's weird in my mind but that's what he prefers people call him oh in the mennonite school too we had um i think i've said this comics that like went along with our our school books and they were ace comics so it was like accelerated christian education and one they were segregated so certain books had the white community which was like acer racer Susie, and then there was one that had the black community, and that was like Reginald, Booker, Miriam. It was like very they had cooler names. Yeah. But the bad kid of the group was named Ronnie, and he, oh, rode no. a, he rode a motorcycle and made fun of everyone. And in the last grade level that you go in, he gets in a car accident and kills Susie, and then ends up turning to a life of drugs and alcohol because he was the bad kid. Oh my God. Wow. Susie, Susie went to hell because she was with Ronnie. Oh my god! It's like yeah. a really intense version of the Dare program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh yeah. It wasn't it was. even like a story like, oh, he got into an accident because he was doing drugs. Don't do drugs and drive or anything. It was just. It was like I remember it vividly. It's Ronnie, look out, and she's like screaming behind him, and then it has like the big like pal like stars star, starburst, and um, then yeah, yeah, you wait a couple pages, and then you get to the end, and it shows just like. Ronnie at a gravestone. Yeah. And then oh. it shows and it shows later on like where they all grew up to be. Like as you graduate, it's like Reginald went on to be a doctor and like Easter went on to be a teacher. And then it's like Ronnie ended up in a rehab clinic. And Oof. yeah. I mean, there's always one. Yeah, you always go to high school with one person. Yeah, I guess I did. 
I guess I did. I don't know anyone who would do that, but I'm sure someone did. But anyways, tonight... Today we're talking about Cujo. (laughs) We're not talking about drug addicts. Well, are we? Um, We'll cut cut some of that. (laughs) Stephen King at the time, at least. Here we are. Uh, So He doesn't even remember writing it. Yeah. For all three of you who've been keeping up with us after The Stand, uh, this episode (laughs) is about Cujo, published in 1981 by our Lord and Savior Stephen King. And... Being as it's a story about man's very best friend turning violent, let's all go around and talk about our dog stories. Uh, I want to start with uh, not Paige, all right, Kenneth. Okay. Um, well, I don't know if mine's a story. I didn't really like. I I technically have a story, but it's like one Ben and I have together. So I'm going to tell. So my mom just got a dog. It's a, this is a happy story about a dog. Okay. So she just she just adopted a dog. I posted photos of him and he's the best and he's super sweet. And his name is Bert and he's afraid of everything that's loud. Um, But he like, so my cat just recently spent a week with them and they like fell in love to the point where they were like cuddling. It was crazy. We took the, we got the cat back and he was, you could tell he was covered in dog licks. Oh yeah. He smelled like dog breath. Yeah. So it's not really a story, but I'm just like, yeah, adopt, don't shop. You get birds. You get birds. That's a good one. Ben, what about you? Um yeah, so I guess the the story she was alluding to earlier, um, we I don't know how long ago that was, at least a year or so. Anyway, it was a while ago. And we took a trip to Harper's Ferry. Um, and we came across this. This, this pit bull dog that was just there by by his lonesome, you know, just kind of um, chilling. And, and, and no one knew who he belonged to. No one was really sure. He kept trying to jump into cars. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. He tried, yeah, tried to jump into our car like at one point. Scotty? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah it's a Biscoff. Uh, Biscoff, yes. Um, but just the sweetest guy. Um, we, we learned he belonged to similar to uh, the the dog of the hour, Cujo, he he belonged to some, it was an outdoor dog, one of some family out out by Harper's Ferry and would let the dog kind of roam around, you know, throughout the day. And, and the way, because we ended up calling like animal control just to be like, hey, you see where this, you know, this dog is out. And the lady's kind of tone on the phone was very much like, yeah, this, honestly, you, you could just take this dog. Was sort of kind of what the implication was, I feel like. Oh, yeah. We didn't because we couldn't. But like, Yeah, we, we weren't in a place to take a dog. But honestly, I think if we had taken him, like, no, I don't even think by the tone of the animal control officer, it would have sounded like they wouldn't have even noticed he was gone. Oh. And it was yeah. like, oh, man, I wonder whatever happened to him. Yeah, that's sad. He seemed to be doing okay for himself out there. Yeah, he was enjoying this, so. his life. Yeah, he's vibing. He's, he's a dog about town. It's all right. Yeah, he honestly, is. He really is. about the ferry. About the ferry. Paige, is yours happy? Um, it's funny, but it's not happy. You can go. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Oh wait, do I know the story? Don't I? You probably do. Um, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, so I want to start by saying that we had a Saint Bernard. Oh. Named oh. Cooley after Chris Cooley of the Washington football team, whatever. Um, sweetest, dumbest dog in the entire world. So like when they talk in the beginning about him just being giant and loving and 
ours was an idiot, but she just was, she just flipped all over the place and it was great. So St. Bernard's are awesome. Um, but my dog story is not about me personally, but it is about, uh, my father-in-law, step-father-in-law. Um, so Brady's mom has a oh bunch of little gosh. dogs. Can't believe you forgot about this, can you? <laughs> oh my god. Um, and she started with the one and his name is Queso and he is just he's he doesn't like Brady, but he's very sweet little chihuahua type dog, right? So, um Thomas was out walking Queso one day and there was another dog from a neighboring house that was much bigger um that had gotten out of their yard and apparently was very territorial um and came after them. So came after Queso, I think he had a little tear in his ear, but he knocked Tommy over and Tommy instinctively, so sweet, like threw his body on top of little Queso to protect him. Um, but in doing so, unfortunately, he left his rear end exposed and he got bit in the asshole. Not on the ass, in the ass. Like literally, like he, a hole in his hole. Yeah, I know the story. Bit in the asshole. Between the cheeks, yeah, double cheeks, <laughs> and it was just it like it, it. It's not funny. It's not funny that he got attacked, but it was just the most on-brand thing that could have possibly happened to this poor goofy man. Yeah, if somebody mm -hmm. like would have ever told me like, yeah, you know, Tommy got bit in the asshole once by a dog, I'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. He was perfectly fine after. It was just really funny to occasionally walk in and his self bent over, spreading his cheeks so mom could change his Band-Aid. I mean, it's funny now. Probably it wasn't funny then. It was funny then. It was funny then. I was laughing. Because it, it wasn't like serious, serious, thankfully. I got really freaked out when they said he got attacked by a dog. And then we found out what happened and realized he was totally fine. He was just going to be a little sore in the bum. And it was hysterical oh. then. That dog was rooting around in there like a truffle pig. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Normally, you do that with your nose, not your teeth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I was trying to figure out which one I wanted to because most of mine are depressing. We um, know. <laughs> and then I know. But I guess I'll go. I'll go with Thor. So when Paige and I started dating, we moved into her mom's basement, and I was working at the grocery store, and I'd be working till like midnight. So everybody would be asleep and I get home and like everybody there knew me. And like, like Paige said, Cooley was fine, but Cooley slept in their room. And then they had, um, another dog. Um, uh, what is that? A miniature poodle, a toy poodle, kitty, kitty. Yeah. And these dogs were fine. RIP. But Both then they, <laughs> they adopted a dog named Thor and he had some behavioral issues. Now, let me say this was Thor number one. Yeah. They have oh, a Thor number two one. now who's sweet as can be. This dog did not like me. So they would be like, hey, yeah, Brady, we'll leave the door unlocked and just lock it up when you come in. So to get to the basement, you had to walk through the upstairs and, and there was no back door. And so I remember coming in one night and they were like, yeah, the dogs are going to be in our room. I open the door, close it, I lock it and I turn around and this dog is just staring at me. And I was like, it's a big dog, too. And it started growling. And I was like, nah, nice dog. And then I took a step forward and it lunged at me and I went right back out that door and I had to call Paige and wake her up and be like, you got to come get this dog. So then the next day, her mom's like, no, 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 Thor wouldn't do that. Thor's a good dog. I don't know what happened. Like Thor likes you. Like, let's introduce you. So like the dog's sitting there smelling me, but like 
I get up from the couch to move and it's just like, it kind of darts for me. And I was like, I really don't think this dog likes me. And they're like, no, 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 don't worry. Like the dog will be fine. So then that night again, I get there and the dog fucking chases me back out the door. And then I had to like call everybody like for the rest of the time that we lived there with that dog and be like, you guys got to come up at like midnight and like hold the dog while I go down to the basement. But it's like everybody that's always been like, no, my dog would never do that. Like this dog would never hurt anybody. I'm like, no. Like poor Chipper. Yeah. My cousins had a dog. Here's another dog story real quick. Um, (laughs) What is he like a a mini Australian shepherd? Shepherd. Yeah. Uh, He's never liked me. And I would just like walk up to the house. I've been going over there my entire life. And he would like just start barking at me. Well, there was one day that he like bit my inner thigh, like just nicked it maybe like three years ago. I was like, what the fuck, Chipper? So then I sit down in a recliner and <laughs> he comes over to the chair I'm sitting in and pisses on the chair. Oh my God. And then they were like, Chipper, no. So then they put him outside. And then like, I remember I was sitting watching TV like this and I looked to the side and in the window, he's just staring he's at me. He's literally sitting in the window staring <laughs> at Brady. This scrawny little oh dog is just God. staring at me like, what the fuck are you doing? We're fine now because I brought him treats. For I was him about to straight. say, we did. Yeah. Every single time we came over, Brady had treats for him. And now they're like best friends. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm getting distracted because the, the listeners can't can't see this. But I keep seeing uh, Paige's cat reaching into the frame to stroke her face. <laughs> He has some attachment issues. No, not, not a dog, but <laughs> he, just, he just wants to touch me at all times. <laughs> he's a, he's his biggest dog. Anyways, so yeah, that's our dog stories. Kenneth, you ready with your synopsis? Thank God. Yeah, so I made Ben write it. Um, oh, so normally, normally it's me, um, but I was like, no, I'm going to let the guest of honor do my work for me. Outsource Let's do that. it, Ben. <laughs> all right. So uh, Cujo is the story of two families, the Trentons and the Cambers, and their pet, St. Bernard Cujo. Four-year-old Tad Trenton is experiencing the horror of a perceived monster in his closet, while his parents, Donna and Vic, are experiencing the horror of marital strife. Donna has just ended an affair with the town carpenter, Steve Kemp, but in retaliation, Steve sends a provocative letter to Vic, crudely notifying him of his wife's previous affair. The newly discovered betrayal, in addition to an urgent business trip that Vic needs to take, makes the couple forget about the nearly broken down Ford Pinto that needs repairing at Joe Camber's garage. Joe Camber, though a talented mechanic, is a pretty lousy and even abusive husband and father. His wife, Charity, has just won the lottery and wants to use some of the winnings to take her, uh, their 10-year-old son, Brett, on a trip to see Charity and extended family. Joe characteristically puts his foot down, but Charity's newfound resolve and urgent desire to make sure Brett doesn't grow up to become his father enables her to prevail in winning the trip anyway. Charity and Brett leave town, and that just leaves Joe and his lovable St. Bernard, Cujo. Now, Cujo, who's normally very loyal and especially gentle towards children, has now contracted rabies from an infected bat while attempting to chase a rabbit. Though he initially tries to hold back the rabies in an effort to keep his family safe, he can't help but succumb to the symptoms. After coming across neighbor Gary Purvier in his rabbit state, he mauls and kills him just before mauling and killing Joe Camber, who has come to see his friend Gary to go on a trip of their own. So now Cujo is alone in the Camber's remote neighborhood as Donna and Tad arrive in the Pinto to get it fixed. Cujo, now mad with rabies, instantly targets the two of them as his next victims, and Donna and Tad are forced to wait inside the now completely broken down car in the hot summer sun until help arrives. Help does not come as Joe has delayed his mail way out of town and the police officer who comes that direction is also killed by Cujo. And so Donna, dehydrated, panicked, and already bitten by the rabid dog, ends up taking matters into her own hands and kills Cujo herself. 
Uh, Vic, who has been working with the police to find his missing wife and son, finally arrives onto the scene to discover that Tad has died. Uh, the couple is heartbroken and deep in grief, but Donna ultimately survives her attacks and her marriage to Vic perseveres. Charity and Brett process their own grief. Charity, now the head of the household, is able to raise Brett how she wants to raise him. They started anew as a family, which is symbolized with a brand new Camber puppy. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, it was great to have a nice, uh, nice one back. So thank you guys. We're very <laughs> happy to have you back. Um, yeah. So some background. I figured he would do all right. So. Oh, he was great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, some background on the book. Uh, 1977, Stephen King made a stop at a mechanic for his motorcycle. Um, and wouldn't you know, the mechanic had his own St. Bernard. Uh, but um, King says that the dog's name was not Cujo. Um, that it was something like, I think he said like Beamer or, or something like that. But he said it was not Cujo. Um, but he said that he got off his bike, looked at the garage. The St. Bernard was there growling at him. The mechanic comes out and was like, oh, this is this dog. Like, don't worry. He doesn't do anything to anyone. And when King went to pet him, he lunged at his hand and the mechanic swatted, swatted him on the ass um, with his wrench and was like, oh man, he must just not like your face. And Stephen <laughs> King was like, okay, which I think we can all agree. Mm-hmm. It's got a weird looking mm-hmm. face. Fair point. Um, <laughs> so I if, I was, if I was Oof. a dog, I would definitely, yeah, woof. Am I right? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, But he says, you know, I remember how scared I was because there was no place to hide. I was on my bike, but it was dead and I couldn't outrun him. If the man wasn't there with the wrench and the dog decided to attack. Well, but that was not the story. It was just a piece of something. And a couple of weeks later, I was thinking about this Ford Pinto that my wife and I had. It was the first new car we ever owned. We bought it with a double day advance for carry $2,500. Nice little plug there. Uh, We had problems with it right away because there was something wrong with the needle valve and the carburetor. Um, And then I thought, what if she took the car to get fixed, like I did with my motorcycle, and she couldn't get it going, but instead of the dog just being a mean dog, what if the dog was really crazy? Then I thought, well, maybe it's rabid. That's when something really fired over in my mind. Once you've got that much, you start to see all the ramifications of the story. You say to yourself, well, why didn't somebody come and rescue her? People live there. It's a farmhouse. Where are they? Well, you say, I don't know. That's the story. Where's her husband? Why didn't her husband come rescue her? I don't know. That's part of the story. And it goes on and on from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, as Ben yeah. said earlier, uh, King doesn't really remember writing much of this this book. Um, and he said, at first, he used to say that he did. Because people would be like, oh, like, how did you like really come at this? And he'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I perfectly, like, I knew this from these experiences. And then, you know, now years later, he's like, no, that was like the height of my cocaine and my alcohol. Like, I don't remember mm-hmm. He said, I wish I did because there are some really good parts in there, but I don't remember re- writing those at all. So that's uh, pretty interesting to me that I think it was a really good book right off the bat and uh, that he just doesn't remember any of it. What do you guys think about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy because I I really liked Cujo. Like I one of the best ones I think we've read. And I just think how like how different would I feel towards the book had he written it sober? Yeah. You know, how different would it have been? But imagine, not to put the cart in front of the horse or anything, if we're going to get to this later, but like, I, I was, you know, I think I talked about this earlier, but the idea that like he has expressed like of all the books to go back and, and try writing again, this was the one he talked about um, how he would have changed the ending um, had he written it in a sober state, or at least, you know, as the person he is now. 
um, yeah. because he, he felt it was darker than it needed to be. And I guess that's something we can talk about once we get to the end. But yeah. Yeah. With that, he also said that, you know, in, in the interview, I think it was 19, 1990 when the, the interview I read, but they asked him about that too. And they said, Hey, you know, you lost a lot of fans over Cujo and then Pet Cemetery because those are very dark books. And after he was like, well, I can afford to lose fans. He was, he was like, um, he was like, you know, it really bums me out when people say like your best work was like 30 years ago, because I still think I have really good work and it's just a different part of who I am as a writer. And so when you think of it through that lens too, like he was severely addicted to these things. Right. And then you have a story about a killer St. Bernard that's slobbering dealing with the disease that's affecting people it loves and you can't control. And you're like, okay, well maybe in his coked out phase, he was writing how he felt. So. Yeah. Like he is Cujo. Yeah. That's wanting to be there for people he loves, but he can't. Because that's addiction, you know? Yeah. Holding yourself back as long as you can't. You're right there, Pitch. You're addicted to some donuts. I know that. I think that hindsight is 2020 and we can apply that. But I think this man was on cocaine and he said, you know what's fucking terrifying? A goddamn rabbit St. Bernard. You know what else is terrifying? Kid dies. Done. Like, I don't I, I mean, don't think probably... it was really, I don't know. Well, I mean, didn't he have a son at the time? Yeah, two sons. Been like, oh, you know, what if they died? I think y'all give him too much credit <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> this is not the work of a, a great long lost writer this is this is a man who was on cocaine and he saw a mean dog one day and he said "Ooh, yeah that'll be That's good. scary That's yeah <laughs> yeah us three are over here like, he probably did a line he was like man i really hope i don't kill my kids <laughs> pages over here like honestly line of coke is like bouncing off the walls he's like dogs are fucking scary <laughs> i smell extramarital affairs yeah tabby where are you <laughs> <laughs> that carpenter better not be laying down his wood. All right. Anyway, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> I've been holding on to that one. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as Ben was like the town carpenter, I was like, I gotta, I can't say it. I can't say it. Gotta let him get through it. But yeah, um, that's the background I have. Um, obviously, we'll get to the movie afterwards. Right off the bat, let's start with the dog Cujo. How'd you feel? How'd you feel about Cujo? He's a good dog. <laughs> he really was. Mm. Even to the end, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he's got to be like my favorite, you know? Because, like, you feel so bad for him because, like, he is the antagonist, unless it's the bat. But, like, he's the bad guy. He's the monster. But, like, because King gives us that insight into what he's thinking as well, you get, mm-hmm. like, my heart broke every time he was like, I don't feel good. I just don't feel good. And I'm like, holy poor baby. <laughs> yeah. That was really good. I also like um, the one scene other than the closet that really scared me was when Brett and Charity are about to leave and Brett goes out looking for Cujo and he just like appears out of the fog. Mm-hmm. But like when you're in Cujo's mind, he's like, I can't hurt this boy. Like the boy still loves me. Like I can't like he's battling with it and he's like, I have to go. Great. So I, I think that he actually like maybe it was the cocaine did a really good job of writing how Cujo would have felt. And then Paige, I yeah. also agree with you. I think we all said it that uh, Cujo was a good dog because at the end it says it would perhaps not be amiss to point out that he had always tried to be a good dog. He had tried to do mm-hmm. all the things his man and his woman. And most of all, his boy had asked or expected of him. He would have died for them. If that had been required, he had never wanted to kill anybody. He had been struck by something, possibly destiny or fate or only a degenerative nerve disease called rabies. Free will was not a factor. 
It's so sad because like to know he was such a good dog, like I get it. He's out here mm -hmm. killing motherfuckers. But like the thing that like ugh, struck me right in the gut was her <laughs> beating him with the bat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dude, I like hearing that she got her leg ripped out and his entrails were falling out. Okay. Sure. She said he popped him right into the eyeball and heard a pop. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah. no, not puppy. I know. Honestly, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> no one is, you can't blame anybody in that exchange. On a side note at the end where they're like, yeah, the paper said that, uh, you know, Vic Trenton is not going to sue the family. I was like, motherfucker, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'd be like, you're paying for my medical bills. She won the lottery, you know. She, yeah. she got I lottery five money. grand. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would have. Only because, like, I would have I would have interacted with charity and been like, "There's like, you. This isn't your fault." Well, and I it's mean, like her really husband's eating. dead too now. Was, like, yeah. Jesus, now you want to sue him too? Like, yeah, it's yeah, your life insurance policy. Yeah, I'm sure nothing. you would, jackass. <laughs> I know they got a bunch of money from the guy. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> loaded. All right. What about Donna? How do you guys feel about Donna Trenton? I liked her as well. Strong woman. Yeah, I thought she was a fun, complex character. I, I mean, yeah. again, a woman with a bad relationship with her mother, I think. I think I'm pretty sure he mentions her mom briefly in like a chapter, and I'm like, mm -hmm. what is it with you? But um, yeah, she's one of the least annoying male or female protagonists that he writes, I think. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I, I think, think he's grounded yeah. too. Yeah, for sure. What's interesting to me is I feel like she is like the protagonist of the book, like ab above any of the other humans, which, you know, for Stephen King and for like the early eighties, I feel like that's kind of a novel thing, you know, in a way to, to yeah. put her story front and center like that. Yeah. I thought it was um, interesting that, you know, you start off with her having an affair and then it turns into her being like the focus because like you said, typically at that time, like, you know, when you're writing that character, you're like, okay, well, I'm supposed to hate her, right? Like she did this or she did that. And then, then you're turning to rooting for her and being like identifying with her and then being like, okay, like you're in a really shitty situation. <laughs> yeah. Like the moments that she's like yelling at Ted, I was like, fuck yeah. Because I was like, if <laughs> they let this kid go on being whiny in the car yeah. and she doesn't snap, <laughs> that's so unrealistic. It doesn't have to be me stuck in a car boiling heat outside for me to yell at a kid in the car. So yeah. <laughs> I literally um we recently watched the movie and the um the child actor who plays Tad is just nominal. But he also like the scenes when he's flipping out, I literally said at this point I would have slapped that child and been like, hey, I know you're four, but you need to bring it down a notch. You're stressing me out. I need to figure out what I'm doing here. Just be quiet and sit in the corner like yeah Paige you got some interesting looks going on when we're talking I about just, Donna I don't know if I like her to be okay. honest I just I don't have like a a real leaning one way or the other like I think there's things that I can find relatable but like overall I don't really think I cared for her as a person <laughs> um and she also made me really not want children I mean, like we've talked about having kids, not having kids, whatever. So like Tad in the car, so whiny. Oh my God. Annoying. Right. When she starts talking about after Vic finds out about the affair, 
how she never wants to be a familiar face at a bake sale and just fall Mm -hmm. into this role of like just being a mother or just being a wife. Like it's terrifying and lonely and sad. And I said, oh my God, Donna, I don't want that either. Like, (laughs) oh, it was so off-putting. Like it really, now I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I'm super good for now. Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, to take to take that uh, that road for the book, like yes, you know, it's about a killer dog that's mauling people to death and leaving their entrails out. But like, I think at the end of it, it's it's really also surrounded by these great stories of these two different families and their dynamics mm-hmm. and what's going on. Because you have Vic and Donna who are struggling with, you know, Vic not sure if his business is going to survive, and then finding out that his wife's been having an affair. And then he has to go on this trip and they're not sure if he's going to come back and like what directions they're going to go. And meanwhile, their kid is having some very big issues Awful. at night with what's Nightmares. going on. And, yeah. and then you have the Cambers and who, you know, Joe Camber is an extremely abusive, gruff, distant man. And, and Charity is always wishing for the life that her sister has that she, you know, says is just fate or luck. Um, and then their boy, Brett, who is stuck in between which one of his parents is going to, you know went out essentially. Um, so I, I really do like that the book is surrounded by those complex dynamics. Um, I think it's, it's done very well. Uh, and then I, I do like Vic too. I think that he's a good counterpart to Donna. Um, Mm -hmm. I like that it never felt like he was taking the spotlight from her. He -hmm. had his own separate story with Roger. Um, the scenes were definitely heartbreaking were when he finds the letter and he's like walking Mm -hmm. through the park and he's like going through yeah. everything about like the the different stages of grief. And then, you know, what should I do? Should I take my son? Should I really be like a dick to her? Or should I just leave and let them go? Is she gonna run? It's just I think that was written beautifully. And then mm-hmm. um the end too, like between him and Donna after Tad dies and they're trying to recover and they just have that like quick little like, can we live here? She's like, no, yeah. can we? And it's like, cool. You didn't even need to say that much, and you still got me. Um, yeah. What'd you guys think of Vic? I I feel I felt I felt nothing. I, I don't know. Like I liked him. I liked him as a character, but like he didn't strike me in any positive or negative way. Yeah, hmm. he's know? not like a Ben Mir as a Jack Torrance. No. Yeah. I was charmed by him. I, I felt a certain kinship. I think at first it was weird. Like, again, because what I was talking about earlier, it felt like at first the story was like kind of, he was like the father knows best kind of whatever. He was going to be the focus. And then of course it turned to Donna. But then like, there's something very like vulnerable about Vic. There's something very like, he, he was like a very emotionally mature person or at least someone in touch with his emotions, I feel like. Um. And just, again, like you were talking about, Brady, it's going through and, like, the way Stephen King, like, details his thought process after learning of the affair. And, like, that that felt very real to me. That felt like something I could, you know, I could relate to or at least understand, you know, in in an emotional sort of way. It wasn't, like, a scene where he goes to the top of a bridge and he's contemplating suicide. Right. But it was like, okay, cool. This is, like, extremely grounded. Like, you're just walking in a daze through a park. Um, I was going to say something else about him. Oh, the one scene I didn't like, though, in that whole confrontation between him and Donna, where he confronts her. And then I don't know how you guys felt about this, but when he's like, is this the only one? And she's like, that was one too far. I was like, all right, calm down. Yeah. You just got caught. You didn't even admit to it. You got caught. 
and then you have to know otherwise. Yeah, you can't be like, "That's it, we're done talking." I kind of, I kind of get it because it's a little bit like saying like, "There's a different connotation to being like you cheated," and then being like, "How many people are you cheating with?" Because it's a little bit like, "Okay, you know what? Maybe I like." did a bad thing and I cheated with a person, but I'm not just out here like picking up men at bars. Yeah. Like it's not, it was one guy a bunch of times, you know, <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. <Not> one. <laughs> in their bed. Yeah. No, never in their bed. She said, but he, nope. when you get to Steve Kemp, he says that it was there. Oh, well, I don't know. Do you believe I, him? Yeah, but you, <laughs> you trust yeah, I, I her first. I would believe her, her way Steve Kemp. All right, we'll get to Steve Kemp. We got to talk about Tad, though. How'd you guys like the kid? I liked him. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was a kid. I mean, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think his brattiness was deserved. I think if I was four and in that situation, oh, 100%. I'd probably rejected that way yeah. or worse. Yeah. yeah. So, like, like, I want to go home. What are we doing here, you stupid bitch? Take me home. <laughs> like, There's a goddamn dog out here now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think he's written well, like we've discussed in all the episodes, the kids that Stephen King writes are, are, are very, very well written. Um, I just, he annoyed me. It was, and I think it's just the whininess because it brings me back to like my siblings and like being the, the eldest and was like, God, just please shut the fuck up. Like sharing a room with an infant. Oh, that's awful. Um, but I will like, say that. The the scene, um, the one where I'm like, okay, Ted, calm it down, was the scene where like she was trying to leave him with the babysitter and he just like would not he like demanded to go with her. I know. Again, yeah. he's four, I get it. But also like that's the one where I'm like, kid, just like you know, this whole turn on the Looney Tunes, you'll be fine. This book would not like, have happened at all had he stayed home with the babysitter. Because <laughs> yeah. like the babysitter would have been like, Hey, um, she's not home yet. Right. Go go get her. It's been two days. Yeah, it's been two days. They acknowledge that so much, right? Like that Mm. she believes it was fate because literally everything lined up so perfectly for them to not be rescued. Like, fuck you, universe. Jesus. I would have felt like I was being punished too. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's good. Um, I don't really have a lot to say about Ted. I it's funny because like when I was thinking, like, before I started reading this, I had seen Cujo the last time was maybe three or four years ago. And, you know, in the movie, he's a, a huge part of that piece. And even in the book, it's him and Donna, but you get more of a sense of what Donna's going through and what Ted's going through through Donna. So um, I really didn't feel a big emotional attachment to him. I was more worried about Donna getting out because I was like, if Donna can get out and kill the dog, then the kid is safe. So really, right, if Donna yeah. gets fucked up, that kid ain't going anywhere. That kid's going to cry while that dog is just like mauling it to death. But yeah, mm. he didn't really have any sort of like um, autonomy, I guess would be the yeah. word. But yeah. he didn't have any yeah. grit, you know, grit. no, no moxie. <laughs> Got to pull himself up by the bootstraps. Yeah, it's, it's not that far down of a reach. Um, yeah. All right. What about Steve Kemp? Wait, and, go back. Oh, Stop. You got to talk. Stop. <laughs> yeah, because I want to talk about, about the fact oh, that okay, Tad. Goodness. Well, this has been a great episode. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Tad has the shine, right? Like he talks. Stephen King talks about like kids having more of it, obviously. But I feel like he sprinkled it through all of his different books now. But like the images that he was seeing in his closet were of this beast, right? Like there's something 
there's something there. Like, it's not yeah. just like he's having nightmares. They were so closely related that I feel like he's sprinkling the shine in again. And it happens even more directly with Brett. Yeah. But I think that there's definitely some shine in him between him and the closet. I don't know, though, because. Yeah. yeah. When Brett is sleepwalking. When he's sleepwalking. Yeah. And he says, oh, you ain't hungry no more. Oh nice. yeah. Well, and the, for Ted, the fact that when like he identifies Cujo as the monster like, almost immediately upon seeing him, yeah, like that, you know, it seems indicative. It to feels me. very shiny. Oh, yeah. I want to go back to something about Cujo real quick. So, do you mm-hmm. guys think that mm-hmm. this was just a dog with rabies, or do you think that the essence Frank of Frank Dodd? Oh is my in this god, dog? I was hoping you'd bring this up because I think that the whole Frank Dodd thing was fucking stupid. I think it was just a dog <laughs> with rabies. I think it was just a dog with rabies. At and, Stephen King. Uh, yeah. <laughs> every time he brings it up, I'm like, what is this going to do? Because at the end, I was waiting for the ending to be some sort of like, oh, you know, he is he's possessed by Frank Dodd. At first, I thought Frank Dodd was in like the closet, and I was like, "Okay, is this the house where he died? Like, why is he just like in the closet?" Mm. And then, like, why would he be in the dog? And I just didn't. I every time he brought it up, I was like, "How is this relevant in any way, shape, or form?" Like, he didn't tie it enough to the dog for me to think that it was connected. I really did like it, and I, I don't. I don't think that Frank Dodd actually went into the dog. I, I don't think. I think you're right. It was just Cujo with rabies. But I like it because it still gives you that doubt like it's the same doubt like that's at the end where like charity and brett get a new puppy and you're like oh this puppy had it shots but it could turn bad again yeah. and mm-hmm. so for me it was like okay like frank dodd's dead but what if he's not like what if his <laughs> evil's there right it's it's mm-hmm. it's just it's like it's, the it's, marston it's, house yeah it's the same as salem's lot the evil just sits there and it, it goes from one vessel to another and so it's like sure frank dodd's physical body isn't here but that same evil essence is now in in Cujo. What I I think think is that the community has a shared trauma. Like this is Mm. the worst thing to ever happen. This is the eighties. They don't don't know what that is. Anyway, (laughs) the worst thing (laughs) to ever happen there. And like, these people are all thinking about like, that could have been my daughter. That could have been me. That could have been like, and this went on for how long? And he was our friendly neighbor and police officer. And like, it's horrifying. Like that shit has stuck with these people. And so this is now like the second worst thing that's happening. And so the only thing they really have to relate it to is this other horrible evil entity you know yeah yeah and i guess like on that note it's very similar too because frank dodd was like friendly neighborhood cop who was also the little um person crossing guard guard, crossing guard and so you wouldn't suspect him to be this like serial killer and it's the same thing big fluffy saint bernard you wouldn't expect him to be mauling you to death you'd be like And I wrote down a note, too, that there's some kind of like symbolism in that Cujo is taking out his rabies on Donna, right? Like, he's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I know it's her. She's the one who did this to me. She's the reason I'm in pain. And it's the same Mm -hmm. thing with Frank Dodd. It's really his mother who's caused all this trauma and pain. And now he sees other women and he's like, you're the reason that I feel this way. It's your fault. I'm going to kill you and then my problems will be solved. So there's yeah. some like hmm. that actually there. ties into like the, the one reason I could think that he would like was possessed by the evil of Frank Dodd or like whatever evil Frank Dodd had 
was the amount of like motive this dog kept providing for his actions, which is not a thing rabies does to a dog. Yeah. <laughs> the rabies isn't like, hmm, motive for your motive. <laughs> Here's why I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So I could see that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I just, I forgot to ask at the beginning. And then as we're yeah. going through characters, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a really important one. Um, all right. Can we move on to everybody's favorite carpenter? Steve oh, Kemp. Steve Kemp. I was mm-hmm. like, mm. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. He's the only right. carpenter I care about. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that's all what right. she learned from all those years of Veggie Tales. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Ben, what do you think of Steve Kemp? Uh, obviously, he's a he's a piece of shit. Um, you literally took the words right out of my mouth. Look at that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting because, like, he's like this, like, super hippie. Like, literally, they were, they were getting to a scene where, because he comes in and then he disappears for, like, several hundred pages and then comes back in later towards the end. So you don't expect it. But they're, I think the cops are talking about, like, some bumper stickers they saw in this car. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, those are some awesome bumper stickers. I'm like, it's Steve Kemp's car. I'm like, God damn it. Like, yeah. like, you know, he probably is, like, kind of, you know, he's like, yeah, no war, all peace, you know, like, he probably... You know, stands for good things, but he's just again like a piece of shit. Yeah, so he's like a liberal dirtbag. Yeah. You know, like. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I um, uh, yeah, I think there's no redeeming qualities about him. Like from the moment that you meet him, um, he's like in a situation where he's like about to rape Donna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, and I. So from there, you're like. Uh, mm, I don't know about this guy. And then you find out like the affair. And then like when he's mailing the letter to Vic, you're like, all right, dude. Like, and then like his rationale behind it, like he drives up to Portland and he's like at the YMCA. And then he's like, oh man, I didn't hear anything. I wonder what handsome husband's doing. Um, And then to put it in perspective, this is the type of man that would lose a tennis match and not shake hands, but only shake hands if he won. So I think that's all you need to know. Um, What makes me not entirely like hate, hate him though, is the fact that like, He's so right. dumb. Like, mm. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like he like literally, and just like the, the thought process he goes through, like after trashing the house, I'm like, you're going to get caught. It's like, it's, it would be so easy to catch. You know what I mean? Like he's not, not a babies. threat. Oh, when he splooges on the bed. Yeah. Or, yeah. or just, they, just can't in do, general. they can't do anything with that during the time. The no, came but he'd be the guy to be like, Hey, you see that? Splooge? That was me. Like he'd be oh, going yeah. in public. And, like, I got to ask this. too, when Vic goes up there and they're like, we think it's semen. Like how, I yeah, mean, I guess if it's like a black comforter too. and the semen on a black comforter, sure. But like what, we don't know. Is what it black comforter? I, no, I don't know. They one of those like black light things from like, um, that, that, uh, like Gordon Ramsay hotel show where he like goes in and like sees what's been doing. You could have just said black light. Well, I wanted to get more information. <laughs> Paige, what do you want to say about Steve Kemp? Just that he's a garbage piece of shit. Mm. That's it. 100%. That's all the energy he deserves. Honestly. Mm-hmm. All right. So what? I mean, we could go Joe, Charity, Brett, you know, down the line, but as a whole, what did you feel or how did you feel about the Cambers family? It was hard because, like, they... <laughs> that was such a long pause for all of us. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. It was hard because, like, they're so pivotal to the story. Like, they're every nothing would have happened in the story without, like, the things that they all did. Mm-hmm. And, but also, like, it's all they almost feel like they could be taken out and it'd be fine as well. So like they're important to the story, but also don't feel like they're important to the story. 
Yeah, and the fact that they added like so much to their subplots separated from the dog itself, yeah, I think was like, why are we doing this? Yes, do we need yes. Thank you. Because I said this to Brady and he said, no, it's important. It's about families and structure and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I don't give a rat's ass about this dude's record player or her credit cards. Skip to the motherfucking point. It's like when they went off on that tangent about how the postal worker keeps farting. I don't (laughs) care. I forgot about that. That's what I said. He's coked up. Yeah, that one too. When they were going through the history. Oh my God, it was so long. And I was like, just give me the basis on the mm-hmm. serial that went wrong that gives Vic the, his storyline and tell me about the professor because that's part of the storyline. And then move on. I don't need to know about the cheesecake. I don't need to know about whatever other fucking dessert they made. Like King had the munchies and he's like, and this sounds or good. Fucking and real. This sounds good. <laughs> I'm so glad that you guys said it first because I said this to Brady and he looked at me like I was an idiot who didn't have good taste. So bless <laughs> you guys for supporting face. me. Your normal face, yeah. Um, okay, well, you know, I liked them, so there. <laughs> I, I, like, I like them as well. I like yes. them as And to, to be fair, I do get, like, Stephen King trying to, like, tell a story about marriages and families and make parallels between the two families. I get all that. But I do think we could have at least shortened, like, the Connecticut subplot. And, like, definitely we didn't need, <laughs> need the whole farting bit. But, like... No. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. like, make it its own thing. Like, that's not what this is about. You know what we came here for? We came here for Dog with Rabies, Boy Gets Killed. We didn't come here yes. for that. Write another genre. Step out. If you want to do that, go do it. I will support you and I will read it, listen to it, no, whatever. Yeah. I probably won't. But like, it just, it was out of place. I uh, I think your comment is out of place, but I think you guys are right. They, they could definitely could have just given us- Wait, like, I'm sorry. What was that one more time? Ben and Kenneth were right. You could have given us more of like um, just Brett sleepwalking- um, but yeah, I, I didn't need the, yeah. oh man, this record player or man, she's just flashing her credit cards. Like you can hit it on the head once that he has a lot of qualities of his father, but you don't have to have every single scene with him. Charity being like, oh, he's just like his dad. We get it. You're yeah. worried. And then we all know the whole time. Don't worry. His dad's not there. His dad yeah. got his balls bit off by Cujo. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I just say, since we're going to talk about his death, Stephen King did that damn thing again that I fucking hate in his writing style where he said, and that was the last time he ever saw his father alive. God damn it. Shut up. Stop fucking ruining it for me. I read that bit and I went, oof, Paige is. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it's like spoilers for your own book. Like, let me get to it. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, he's too excited for his endings. It's like when Brady can't wait till Christmas to give me my Christmas present. So we never have anything under the tree. He just gets so excited and I get it. But like, stop ruining things. And actually, I feel like that's a really good note to like to move on to like, well, not move on. But so he does that so often. And the one time that he didn't with Tad's death, it actually like affected me. I audibly went like the one time that he didn't predict a death and Mm -hmm. spoil it. Like I had like this, that is a huge reason why I like Cujo. He said, how long has he been dead? And I went, I was like, because that's not what happens in the movie. (laughs) For a a split second too. I was like, oh my God, what if this turns into like, she's been imagining everything. Oh, oh no! It's almost like uh, the we'll get to another story. The mist, where like it's just like just a half a couple seconds sooner. 
but like, oh my god mm-hmm. could you imagine mm-hmm. if he then went back and replayed it as like everything she was doing except he was dead the entire time yep. <gasps> oh so creepy like basement hell situation oh yeah. that gave um, me chills i don't like that yeah. sorry. <laughs> sorry guys um moving actually on from- while we're on the cameras oh, yeah. the reason we have been on right now is that he knows the actress who played charity uh yeah. in the movie She's an acting professor in college Oh. No way! Yeah, yeah. Which is why I mean, and going back to like the the characters, not you know, the, the, like the subplots being whatever. It's like the movie really like chopped out that entire Connecticut subplot. Like my Charity's in the movie for like maybe a combined five minutes. You know, it's it's very much like a, she's in and she's out, and she didn't really even need to be there. So it's cool to see you know my actor professor in a movie from the eighties, but also like okay, she was barely even in this thing. Like I watched the making of featurette of the movie, and she wasn't even in that documentary at all. Didn't make one appearance. Well, maybe she okay. was too busy teaching. Maybe, maybe, but like not even footage of her. No one even talked about her. And I'm like, she just stayed. <laughs> a lot of stage stuff. But stayed. shout out to Kailani Lee if you're listening. Hey. Hey, new listener. I don't know. And uh <laughs> Kenneth, don't be giving people that look. <laughs> <laughs> well, to bring it back to Brady's favorite thing to say is that this book is about families. Um, <laughs> there was something in there that kind of struck a chord with me, and that was watching what's Charity's sister's name? I can't ever. There you go. At the end where she gets the phone call and Holly's like, I knew I should have never had you up here because you always bring bad news. Mm. That hit me to my core because Brady and I had a conversation very similar to that, like just a couple weeks ago, unrelated to this, about how there are certain members of our family that unfortunately we don't have relationships with much anymore because they literally just bring us down. It's like they carry with them so much baggage and they never let you forget it. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, that one, that was hard to, it was such a brief little part in the story, but like, yeah, that made me have feelings. And it sucks because I feel like the, a lot of that isn't even charity. Like the charity would love to like be living like her sister and not being the person bringing around bad news. But like she's surrounded with such negativity all the time. Yeah. Mm. It's hard. Um, I mean, like you said, it was all luck that one of them ended up there and the other one didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, what did you guys think of Roger, Vic's partner? I liked him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was a good friend. He, he was like definitely like mm-hmm. Vic needed. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we also get an appearance from Shanif, or <laughs> Shanif, Sheriff <laughs> Bannerman. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. And that I was hard. Like how even he, when he's dying, is like, "That's you, Frank Dodd, isn't it?" Oh yeah. It just shows how much in the town it is, and it just goes back to the trauma because, like Paige said, he was the one who was like advocating that it was not Frank Dodd. It was like, no, it wouldn't right. be him. Um, and then that scene though, where he's like, and then he made it back to the car, radioed it, and everybody was fine. But that's not what happened. Oh, and I was like, I oh, know. oh my god, yes. I was like, yes, he did it. No, no, he did not. <laughs> he didn't make it. I just kept picturing him holding his intestines. I know. Why is it so graphic? Oh, I did not no. like that. There's no holding intestines. They're out of your body. You're on the ground. <laughs> I'd be like, in or they're out. In or out, make a choice. <laughs> um. Uh, what about Joe's friend Gary? Gary the pervert, pervy. Oh my pervy. god. 
I hated him so much. But I do want that McDonald's glass he was drinking. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a grimace. That sounds It had lead in it. It had lead in it. But it has grimace. You don't have to drink out of it. All I could think about is your friend Justin and how he collects all of those different mm. relics of the past shout out to justin on uh brain stew by the epic film guys um Ooh. but I yeah just, it's just i was just like, like man i wonder if any of his shit has lead in it <laughs> <laughs> probably god um any other characters anything else you want to talk about um there was one other note i wrote down <laughs> yeah um darth vader is gay what excuse me Darth Vader is gay? That's a question I have. Wait, why? What? Mm-hmm. Where did this come from? At the very beginning of the book, he was talking about looking at people's t-shirts. Uh-huh. And one of them said, Darth Vader is gay. Mm. And I said, what in the hell is oh, that right. about? That was so weird. Yeah. That must have been a thing that made sense in 1980. That That's what I'm trying like... to say. I don't, I yeah, don't know. There's I wonder if there was like, here. I wonder if it's a little bit like when you see those shirts that are like keep calm and chive on and everyone's like what the fuck is that what it well, like what is that for and maybe it's like that where it's like something subtle to only like if you know you know i'm gonna say that and everyone listening is gonna be like we know what chive on means yeah <laughs> <laughs> um all right cool well do you guys have uh any favorite scenes or least favorite scenes or s- scenes that really gotcha i just think the the um the scene where like Donna confesses to Vic her reasoning for the affair. I think it is really well written. Mm-hmm. That was one that I felt I kind of like lost myself in, just like the way he wrote it. And it, it genuinely felt like two people having a very uncomfortable and honest conversation. I don't know. I don't know if it was like my favorite or anything, but it was definitely one that I kind of lost myself in while reading. That's a good Mine one. is depressing. I think my favorite part, and it's because I had like the most physical reaction to it, and I thought it was such like a the line itself, how long has he been dead? Mm-hmm. That that's, is, that's gotta be my favorite part. Yeah. 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 I'm I hate imagine. to say this. You're just the farts. No, shut up. For anyone who's been listening to us for any amount of time, um, I'm really glad a kid finally died. Like I hate to say that because like I don't want I children to that. die. <laughs> but like honestly, I've been kind of waiting for it. Like this man is mm-hmm. supposed to be the king of horror, and every one of his fucking books has had some kind of happy ending. Like people have died, mm-hmm. I get that, but like I'm I'm glad he did it because I was like, damn, this shit is dark, and that's what I was yeah. expecting coming into reading Stephen King. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, again, that's why in the interview they were like, "This is where you lost a bunch of fans because up until this point, like you had dark stories, but they all still ended relatively well, and they still had deaths. So like Carrie dies at the end of Carrie, and then yeah. uh, Susan Norton dies in, in Salem's Lot, and then so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Jack Torrance dies, and you know, he maybe everybody's happy about that, but it's still affecting the family. But it, it has an overall happy ending. This one, like, you're left with such bleakness at the end. Where yeah. you're like, okay, and I like how he kind of throws you off because it's like he's hitting all the marks like usual, like cool, like Roger calls and is like, Vic, we we won for two more years. Like we're still going to keep our jobs. And you're like, all right, here we go. Like here's how you wrap it up in a nice little bow. But mm-hmm. yeah, th- that line of just like, how long has he been dead? Like gutted. Yeah. Um, I love that. The, the big one for me is I think like the opening is just really good. Mm-hmm. Like you, 
I also really do like the format, how it's just one long chapter and it's not broken up into chapters. Yes. Um, that stressed me out. I was like, how do I know when to stop? Um, and that's, but that's Good what point, King said. King was like, he wrote it that way because, well, he claims he knew that he was writing it that way because he wanted it to be like a brick through your window where like you couldn't put it down you couldn't stop. And like this thing was very visceral and real in front of you. Um, Honestly, that's how I ended up like reading it is we were sharing a book. So we had to like alternate. But at one point I literally was like, I'm, I'm going to keep reading because I can't, I can't, I need to know. Yeah. I, like I closed the book and I went, you're going to hate it. <laughs> and the fun uh, thing is I, I did not mind like the, the darkness of it. I think it actually did serve the story well. One thing that annoys me is I'm like, why did he introduce the damn monster words if the monster words don't even save Tad? What is the point? That was, I really liked that though. And you know what I mean? Fi- and he like, finds them. Like, Maybe he, he should have written, like, he should have probably written better monster words then because those were shit. They, well, <laughs> it was garbage. Well, for a four year old, they were terrible. Writing. I hated it. Um, do you <laughs> go ahead? Was it supposed to be symbolic? Like, he finds the monster words in the car, and it's like I couldn't actually save him or protect him from the monster. Yep, yep. Though the monster ended up being dehydration and not the dog, so. Yeah, well, you know, he kills, hydrate or dihydrate. Um, Tad did. Oh, my God. Uh, So, you know, Stephen King has, like, the quotes at the beginning of every book. Yeah. Did you notice? I don't know if you guys have it, but mine has, um, nope, nothing wrong here, by the sharp cereal professor. No, no, you don't have that. Yeah. Oh. I saw Mm. that, and I was like, oh, that's pretty clever. But yeah, for me, it's the I opening. I've actually never read these. You've never read the book? Wow, Kenneth. No, no, I didn't. I didn't read the. I didn't read the quotes at the beginning. What's um? What was your favorite death, or whose death was your favorite? <laughs> Other than Tad Page. <laughs> that one hits the hardest. That's what I was gonna say. I'd go Bannerman. I thought his death was extremely was graphic yeah. and sad because, like. I still like, I think I have more yeah. of a connection to his uh, Tom Skerritt playing him in the movie, but yeah. um, I, I do really like, I felt bad in that because he's like, did I make love to my wife last night? <laughs> oh, yeah. My, my daughter. And I was like, so much, like, I don't know. He should have just run straight back to the car. Like, I don't know. I feel so bad for him. And he, it was so sad. And he, he could have, like, called, he should have, like, put in his little location like he was supposed to. Yep. Well, they all should have done something, Kenneth. It's all I know. All right. Follow protocol. What do you guys? Uh, what you guys? Well, think in terms of the um, the desks. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. I just moved ahead. And said, Sorry, guys. Shut the hell up. My opinion's the only one that can. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here we are. What I think is interesting is that there's a notable like lack of deaths in this book, right? Like we we see, I mean, early on we get Gary and Joe, and then several hundred pages go by before the next death. It's like literally like the end of the first act, you get two deaths, and then like it's not until you get into the third that you get all the rest. Like yeah. and that seems odd to me in this sort of like you know, kind of like the dog is the villain of this slasher book sort of thing. But that probably also goes to stands to reason Stephen King's idea of like. This is a book about a rabbit dog, but it's also a book about families as we you know keep returning to. And like Kenneth said, the real killer dehydration. So right, right, honestly, that's true. Drink your water. I mean, it was also scary when Tad starts convulsing. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. I can tell what that was from. I'm like, is it just like a stress seizure? Like, what? I guess so. Happening? But dude, when she, he's like biting her fingers and she has to dig yeah. her, nails dig her into fingernails. The oh. oh, that was also, graphic. Like, that's the first thing they tell you. Like, don't put your hands inside of someone having a seizure's mouth. Like, what? Aren't you I mean, he to, like, was choking on, on his tongue. Yeah, lean him forward or something. This is the 80s, Kenneth. <laughs> <laughs> that was hard, though, uh, to listen to. Yeah. Was like she dug yeah, her fingernails Ugh. into his tongue. Ugh. Mm-hmm. The scene no, in the movies also like that kid is so good mm-hmm. at what he does. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Movie. What do you guys think of the movie versus the book? Or the book initial thoughts about the movie? Yeah. Yeah. The book was better um, because I think that there was enough, like I guess, internal monologue or like non dialogue that um when you cut it out it makes the movie so choppy mm-hmm. yeah yeah so much of the book takes place in characters heads and the characters internal thought processes like literally all of the characters are, are this way so like when you remove that aspect of it like the events all like all the events in the movie are the events of the book they haven't really missed any of the big events but without really hearing the characters think you kind of lose a lot of that Mm-hmm. You know, and so a lot of that we were, we were talking about when we were watching it. Like there was even in the second half with like them in the car, I thought like was like this lack of urgency that was there in the book. Yeah, in the book, it was very much like it's hot; they're running out of food. It, that was one of the things where in the book they mentioned multiple times that it was a hot summer, that it was like hot, and in the movie they like didn't mention that until they were literally in the car and it's like they're sweating and it's like oh is it summer i didn't know yeah. didn't mention anything you even talked about it being cold at night or something yeah like, are you? and of course we were we were spending the whole time trying to figure out at what point uh kujo was a man in a dog suit so yeah yeah <laughs> so we're like that is, that's a guy in a dog suit <laughs> oh yeah Paige, you don't know that i don't know that yeah, Kujo, yeah uh, at one uh, point, he's like played by like four different dogs and a Rottweiler and a man in the dog suit. And a mechanical dog head. And a mechanical yeah. dog head. I'll, I'll have to send you the picture of the, the man in the dog suit. You'll have to, because so here's the thing. I have not seen the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I think Brady was watching this months and months ago. I don't even remember when. And I came in and I said, what you watching? He said, Cujo. And I said, I'm not so sure about that, um, but I want to hang out with you and I don't want to make you stop your movie. So I laid down on the couch with him and I literally, the only scenes of the movie I saw were them trapped in the car and the dog trying to get after them and him coming at the window. And like, it was just, it made me so uncomfortable. Like I just couldn't deal with it. So I covered my eyes a lot. And then I never wanted to go back and watch the whole movie because I literally hated it so much. Like it, it terrorized me. Yeah. Um, I like the movie a lot. Uh, book is definitely better, especially the ending. But Ben, great point. Like it's it's just hard to capture that same inner monologue, and then like Kenneth, like you said, just the urgency is is gone because you're not hearing what they're actually thinking. You're just seeing this mom and, and her kid, which in its own is still scary, but not as scary as it could have been. Um, I do think D. Wallace did a fantastic job in the role. Mm-hmm. Um. The funny thing about that is the guy who plays Steve Kemp in the movie was actually her husband, Christopher Stone. Oh, yep. okay. and they both played in The Howling together um, in 1981. And then everybody knows D. Wallace as the mom from E.T. I 
I learned that today because mm. he mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He but. he said the title of the movie three times. And then when he referred to E.T., he called him the alien. Yeah. Uh, there was something else I was going to say. I know Stephen King really, really was like advocating for D. Wallace to get an Oscar and thought that she should have won one. Oh, really? Um, I mean, she was good, but she was good, but I don't think she was Oscar worthy. No, Danny like, Pintaro was pretty good. There. Yeah, honestly, if I was going to give anyone in that movie an Oscar, it would have been the kid. Yeah, this is well, now a fan podcast for that kid. Danny Pintaro, <laughs> um, let's listener of the podcast. <laughs> so, in, ni- in 1983, Allegedly. the Academy Awards would have been Ben Kingsley won for Gandhi. Oh, that's not good. Um, oh no Paul Newman was up there for the verdict Jack Lemon and the missing uh, Peter O'Toole my favorite year Dustin Hoffman Tootsie um, oh. so I only uh, recognize one of those movies that's best actor let me look at best actresses because mm-hmm. I mean like we said I, I think she was good and like really good in the movie yeah. but you know not outstanding yeah. By any means, um, you had yeah. Meryl Streep, Sophie's Choice, Julie oh, Andrews, yeah. Yeah, Sophie's Choice, Sissy Spacek. Yep. Yeah. You can't Jessica beat Lange. those. Yeah. So you're just. I'm sorry, D. Yeah. yeah. Can't can't do it. Um, yeah. I sent the picture of the dog to the group chat. Did you? Yes, see you page? did. You yes, think? I. What's scarier, a it's real dog coming at you, or this guy? I think the real <laughs> dog was scarier. Yeah. Can you imagine if like oh, it's this, downloading if uh like in the filming like he like runs up on the car and like the head falls off and it's just like this guy like I love that they made him in the movie they made him like they covered him in, like Vaseline and stuff he was like egg gross. Yolk, part of it. it was just uh, gross and I loved it because it was just like every time he got on the car the car got disgusting yep just like add an extra bit of like don't touch me ew they, they talked about when they were like in, in in filming they like would have to like it was, it was tough because you had to get the actors in the right emotional state and then you had to get the dogs lathered up and you had to film right away before the dogs licked off all of the rabies on their face like all the egg, egg white on their face we also learned that most of, if not all of the dogs had to have their tails like strapped down because they kept wagging them mm. so as we're watching the movie we're like oh there's a tail wag like oh Attacking the car. Yeah. Tail is wagging. Oh. And like dogs can wag their tails when like they're stressed and stuff too, but it's a very different wag. It's oh my a, God. A rabid. It's not a rabid stress. Okay, this has to be from the scenes where he's like, I know he breaks a window at one point in the movie and I was like, that had to be a stuntman because they wouldn't have had a dog break the glass. <laughs> they used a stuntman when he was like ramming into the side of the car. Oh yeah. Like his head. Oh, interesting. That was the man in the dog suit. Mm. Yeah, crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff. All yeah, I can dude. picture is that Brady's going to take that photo and Photoshop one of our heads on that oh, man yeah. instead of his for oh, Instagram. Benz, yeah. <laughs> he's oh, especially yes, <laughs> Benz. All right, there it is. It's settled. Done um, deal. The dog's head. You're the man's head. Get creative, Brady. Putting on a head of. I'll ben figure something else. Um, <laughs> anything else about the movie you guys want to talk about? Oh boy! Um, very early '80s. Very, yeah. very. We were talking about how a lot of the characters didn't look how we imagined them. 
We also uh, talked about how it was weird. The Trenton's house was one so big and two like overlooking the water. Well, the whole movie's filmed in California. So it's not even in Maine. So like, and it's very obviously California, but like their house is ginormous in the movie. And in the book, I'm imagining like cute little cookie cutter suburbia, you Mm. know, and their house, like if you look up photos of that house, it's huge. Yep, yep. And then inside, you only see like two rooms and their little matchbox rooms. So like, yeah. It's, uh, it's also interesting that they cut out so much of Steve Kemp. Yeah. Yeah, they really did. Yeah, because they they show him going into their house and then the house is just ruined. Like they just jumped in back, opening the door to the mayhem. And like without, because the letter doesn't happen either. So without yeah. that, his trashing of the house, like, I mean, he's angry. So it kind of makes sense, but it makes less sense. Yeah, he didn't get because in the book, part of the reason that he is a dick is that he's trying to get this reaction from her husband that he's not trying to get in the movie. He's just being like, I'm angry. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also hard because it's like in the beginning, I mean, he's apparently so close to this family that he's calling their son Tadpole and like sitting down at breakfast and things and playing tennis with Vic. But then at the end, he's like, I'm going to also destroy Vic's stuff yeah. because his wife doesn't want to sleep with me. Mm-hmm. Damn. Spurned lovers. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. All right. Well, we've all discussed the ending. We all love it. So mm-hmm. overall, as a whole, letter grades. Ben, you're the guest of honor. Ooh. Letter grade. Letter okay. grade. Okay. Um... I, I think it gets like a solid B plus. I think I'm, I think I'm feeling B plus on this. I think it is a horror story told not how you would think a horror story is told, and I think that gives it novelty, but also um, causes some issues of its own. But I think overall, it's enjoyable. Again, a, a brick through the window is a brick that I read quickly and then enjoyably. So I, 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 I give it a, I quite a that's a B plus brick. <laughs> Awesome. Kenneth? I was going to say A minus because I, I really enjoyed this one. I, I don't have any um, extra things to say. <laughs> I know. I was listening to Ben talk and I said, oh my God. Wow. Yeah, we I are really underselling this. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I also agree with you. I think A minus. Um, I could probably give it a regular A, but like, I mean, we talked about the little bits that I just didn't care yeah. for, but overall, I thought it was a really great book. And God damn it, it has to be an A. That they finally killed a fucking kid. I've been waiting for this. Pages top criteria. Honestly, from like a B plus yeah. to an A minus. I said, hot damn, you do yeah. that. You just he lost a bunch cemetery. of fans, but he gained a fan in me. <laughs> I'm glad Life after almost a year of this, he finally gained a fan in you. That's, I'm oh just saying. Um, now, if you can just stop telling me who's gonna die. Yeah, that I don't think that'll ever change. Ooh, um, I that. think I got to go with A plus. I just right. oh, I wow. really That's love perfection, it, Bubba. And wow. yeah, I think but not Hugo, even like an A, not even yeah. a ninety-five, like a one hundred percent A plus. And like the things about it that are like you know a little stupid here, like the mailman farting. I still was any able farting. to laugh. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, any is the farting. I was uh just laughing it off because I was like. He's just so coked out of his mind that he was probably giggling to himself where he's like, this dude is ripping ass. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, the things with the cambers where it's like a little too long in Connecticut. Sure. But overall, like, I think it's a very quick read. Um, it's very tense the whole time. And you have multiple different things going on that are holding your attention, regardless of who you're, you're reading about. Um, yeah. And then the end just where Tad gets killed and then you still get a little bit of exposition about like, all right, well, how did these people move on from there? Uh, it's just, yeah. I think wrapped up really well. And, and I like that it ends. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then I like that it ends on a good note where he's like, Hey, the dog's not bad. The dog just was under really bad circumstances. Like everybody else in the fucking book. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's it for yeah. us. Is there anything else you guys want to discuss? I don't think so. It's pretty comprehensive. No. Ben, thank you so, so much for coming on. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. This is fun. And thanks for coming back, Kenneth. Yeah. Yay. Thank you last time. Yeah, we did. Um, Kenneth is not going anywhere. Nope. Um, she better not. She better not. Uh, <laughs> <should> we, <laughs> uh, like we said last time, you know, here and there um, when life allows. And uh, maybe I'll get her to ghostwrite some synopsis for me. Um, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for those listening, you can find us, even though Paige is going to say I should have done this at the beginning, you can find us on Instagram at Hail to the King Podcasters, <laughs> Twitter, Hail to the King Podcasters. We don't have a Facebook. Um, you know, you can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, or sorry, whoa, Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. Spotify, Ooh. Anchor, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, really any place that you can get a podcast. And if we're, not on one that you use, let us know and we can fix that. And honestly, just go to the Instagram for that picture of Ben. We're going to put of him no, in a dog suit. That's what it's y'all don't want to miss it. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, next time we're going to be going over the beginnings of the dark tower series with the gunslinger. So mm-hmm. fingers crossed. That's one that I, that's one series I've never really gravitated towards. I have no um, idea what to expect. Yeah, I can say I don't either, but uh, fingers crossed. So see you next mm-hmm. time. Bye.